Welcome to the Good Grow Great podcast, everyone, where we join you and other intelligent entrepreneurs out there in solving for meaningful growth without having to change maybe how you're introverted or without having to revamp everything that you love doing. Here, we look at fundamental and also unexpected ways, stories, and examples that can help you grow you and your business. I'm your host, Talia Toha. Growth solvers, let's get growing. Today, we have a very special guest. My guest today is Nalin, and Nalin is the CEO and founder of Crush Crowdfunding, a site that helps entrepreneurs run successful crowdfunding projects. She is a crowdfunding consultant who helps dozens of clients successfully raise over $7 million on crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Nalin, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here and to chat with you today and uh, see where our conversation takes us. Amazing. So actually, I would like to start with you and just kind of talk a little bit about how you got started in crowdfunding. What's your background? How did you get interested in this whole uh, world of crowdfunding? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's, that's, I guess, a great place to start. So it, it actually all started when I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and if you know anything about the Bay Area, for anyone listening out there, it's pretty much perpetually, like, always summer. Basically, the shorts and t-shirt weather all around. Um, I worked <laughs> in a marketing startup, pretty much, when I first got out of grad school. And I, you know, had, it seemed like I had it all. I had, you know, stock options, catered lunches, unlimited PTO, everything that you're reading about in the entrepreneurial, um, well, in the kind of startup lifestyle. Uh, it seemed like the perfect life, but I, I wasn't just getting that fulfillment pretty much um, that I always thought I wanted to kind of help people really kind of get their ideas out into the world because I it was, I was kind of a product marketer and I was working for someone else and I was helping them, you know, kind of manage retail stores, manage getting products into retail stores. I didn't get to work with mm. entrepreneurs themselves to really get to the core of like why they're, they have these ideas and why they want to launch something to the market. And I realized, Hey, like <laughs> this yeah. is not for me. I really want to work with entrepreneurs. I really want to work with people who are passionate who have that drive, that motivation to just make change in the world. And I right. really want to work on, in that really beginning phase where they just literally have a prototype, literally have just an idea, literally have just, you know, drawings on a piece of paper, <laughs> pretty much. Right. They have that dream. And that just really drew me to, to crowdfunding as a launch platform. It's an incredibly democratic way to bring products to life. You don't have to go begging it to, uh, you know, banks right. or VCs or angel investors. You're literally taking an idea and saying to the world, hey, this is my idea. Like, do you like it? How, how should I make this better? How can I change it? What can I do to, to help make this come to life and help you solve problems? And yeah. so that's kind of what drew me to funding. So I like that story because... It- repeatedly, I feel like I hear this a lot, you know, not just from you, but from everybody who's been on the show and everybody that I've talked to, I feel, who started out, um, you know, when they were starting out as an entrepreneur is that they keep kind of getting the sense that something is is wrong, something's missing, right? And you're Mm -hmm. kind of not quite there as far as feeling fulfilled in what you do, even though you're 
I'm, I'm sure amazing at what you're doing, right? So was there like a pivotal moment, did you feel, when you kind of realized like a light bulb hits you when you kind of go, okay, this is not really what I want to do. I, I actually want to do X. Like, is it, was there a moment like that or a person maybe or an event, a project that kind of made you go, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that other thing? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I would like to think that I'm someone who has that that internal drive and, and be, you know, be brave enough to just kind of quit a job and, and embark on my own entrepreneur, entrepreneurial journey myself. Um, however, it actually was kind of external forces that kind of pushed me to realize, hey, this is actually what I wanted to do. Uh, one of the companies I was working for after a few years, they we're pivoting from really just B2C, like selling directly to consumers that I really loved to really large scale B2B um, things. And they were kind of n- narrowing down the people they wanted to keep. And, you know, I honestly, I didn't make the cut. And that just kind of made me realize that, hey, you know, firstly, there's honestly no safety net with a quote unquote normal job. And sure. I started thinking about hey, is this something that I really like to do even? Is it not? Is it really, I, I could find another job pretty easily. I have, you know, uh, uh, education under my belt. I have all these knowledge and experiences. I could do that or I could go go to something that I really want to do. I love learning about people, talking to people, making relationships and just helping people just figure out their life and their goal and their plans. And so yeah. that that's kind of what pushed me like that that decision, that external decision caused right. me to really inter- reflect on what I love to do. Yeah. Um, so, and then and, I kind of just went next. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that there's this external force that's almost kind of nudging you forward and say, hey, this is your opportunity, which I think a lot of us sometimes are looking for a sign, right? And just be like, okay, what's the sign <laughs> <Yeah>. here? <laughs> you know, but Definitely. talk about... I, I believe it all happens for a reason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So talk about though, because I'm I imagine if you're already somewhere in your career, right? Whether that, I don't know where, where you are in your career, but I imagine that expectations maybe from your family or your friends, people that you know, you know, was that a contributing factor um, into playing out the fear? Is that something that kind of didn't really matter or you try to shut out or did you tell anybody? Walk us through a little bit about that process. Yeah, I, I think that it's a lot of things people don't talk about often. So i Super glad you asked this question. Actually, um, <laughs> I, when when I found out about it, I you know I panicked. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, oh no, uh, you know I'm gonna be out of a job soon. Like, what do I do? Questions started racing through my head. How am I going to provide for my partner? How am I going to provide for you know our dog, our fur baby? Like, how are we supposed to start a family? How am I going to make enough money to even visit my family? They're all are, you know they're across the world in Thailand. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, my That's, parents are yeah. getting older. My grandparents, you know, I like, you know, I, I panic. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I it's scary. It's a scary step to take from something that's so quote unquote sure, right? Like a stable quote unquote stable job where mm-hmm. you get a paycheck every so often. You don't really have to think much about where your money is usually coming to entrepreneurship. Where again, it's it's literally just kind of like free falling some of the time. Um, but then again, that there is no, I just realized that there is no guarantee. I needed to be the captain of my own ship and the ma- mm-hmm. kind of the master of my own destiny, right? Like if I'm right. kind of beholden to someone, I am, you know, I'm at their 
their whim pretty much like whatever they want to do I I kind of follow so that kind of led me to the path that I needed to build something with my own two hands you know my own grit my own determination so that you know myself I will be responsible for how well it goes and I think that's a lot of what entrepreneurs kind of go through like hey I'm setting my mind onto this like can I do it and if I do it you know it's it's me at the end of the day it's me that is putting this on the line yeah. And what I put in is what I, I put at what I get out. Right. Yeah. And it's kind of funny how I think, um, especially people who are still kind of in that stage of, hey, I have this nine to five, but I have this itch of wanting to do this other thing. There's so many, mm-hmm. like, there's like a million and one reasons not to do it, but there's also a million and one reasons to do it. And you're kind of like, exactly. you're really, you're standing on two, it's almost like you're, you're kind of bridging something and you're standing on two kind of coasts almost. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I love that you kind of you made the leap essentially which is which is great which is why you're here with us today <laughs> so um yeah. so so then how describe so how does how did that first year go did you kind of um you did you have like a part-time while you're building this crowdfunding platform like how did you um transition was it kind of a slow growth like walk us through that initial like first few months yeah so I, it actually didn't start off exactly with crowdfunding i you know started following marketing gurus started following all these marketers doing all these different things mm-hmm. I, I started reading and learning and doing all these things <laughs> i i'm gonna be honest here and i did a lot of other things before i like actually kind of fell into crowdfunding too i did things like build shopify stores to sell products i learned how to oh, wow. drop ship things from china and different parts of the u.s i tried to you know, even make my dog like an Instagram influencer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like I, I tried, I tried a lot of things out there and I failed a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of people don't talk about the failures, but I, I love it because everything I did and every time I failed, I was like, okay, now I know how to do this. How can right. I use this for my next thing? How do I, you know, make sure that if I build another Shopify store, I can do it in one day rather than two weeks I took something. You know, so I failed multiple times and I'm proud failing um and then one day actually someone reached out to me on linkedin and they were like hey i see you worked on some crowdfunding campaigns like we'd love if you could you know help us out give us some advice and stuff like that and so i said sure let's hop on a call like i'd be happy to help i'd be happy to just like tell you everything i know pretty much um i got on the call and it was supposed to be for just half an hour but I ended up just talking for about two hours just about crowdfunding <laughs> and just everything that I knew. Yeah. And I just remember feeling so alive, just so alive during the call, asking them questions about how they got into, uh, into crowdfunding, how they um, got their product alive, like how, what the problems were they were trying to solve and how all this fits into the crowdfunding model, how it you know, should go on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. And it felt like electricity kind of racing mm-hmm. through my skin. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe this is it. <laughs> Maybe you're onto something. Yeah. And, and it's kind of funny, yeah. though, isn't it? How you sometimes you don't realize that you're going through certain experiences and you're in the meantime, you're building this whole other arsenal of skill set that 
at the time you didn't think you're going to use or ever going to use. And then years later, it just kind of comes really handy and it, it, it developed into this whole other beast that you can now transform into a whole new business, which is amazing. Yeah, um, so I think exactly. that's, yeah, that's <laughs> totally a great, I think a great thing to keep in mind as we kind of continue in this j- journey of, uh, of business for sure. So, all right. Mm-hmm. So then what was the, um, did you feel like when, when you were kind of transitioning from, you know, one thing to another, was there kind of, um, and I like that, I like it when guests come on to the show and they have all of these different experiences. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about why, let's say, you maybe move away from Shopify, you know, drop shipping? Because I think I'm sure some people who are listening have considered some of these options, like just kind of briefly, mm-hmm. really macro, right? 30,000 feet above. Like, what are some of the pros and cons uh, between, let's say, you know, drop shipping and, you know, like, how do you look at them as, as business models right now, now that you've had, you know, a number of years in front, you know, behind you that you have time to kind of reflect and say, well, this was good because it allowed me to do X and this was not so great because it didn't allow me to do why, whatever that is, right? So can you can you, can mm-hmm. you share a little bit more about just kind of on a macro scale, like what what are some of the pros and cons between those those different things that you tried? Yeah, absolutely. So with something like crowdfunding versus, you know, like a Shopify store, or a WordPress, a Wix, a Squarespace site, things like that, you know, they're all platforms to help you, you know, have success online and in a digital sense. However, the difference I would say between crowdfunding on a platform like Kickstarter and Indiegogo versus something like, you know, a website on Shopify or Wix or Squarespace is, is what stage you're currently at. Uh, I, I would like to say that Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they're actually just launch platforms, just like specifically mm. tailored to launching your idea and launching your product. And when you're growing and scaling, you migrate to those other websites where you actually get into the e-commerce space. So that right now in crowdfunding, it's kind of just like, Hey, this is my idea. Would you like to buy it? And then once people say, yeah, of course, let's do this. Then you go to start selling it monthly revenues, recurring revenues and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So for people who are kind of thinking about, um, you know, I guess fundraising, just maybe by hustling mm-hmm. and just reaching out one-on-one to investors here and there. Can you talk, a little, and again, just thinking if they are just starting out, right? And they're considering yeah. crowdfunding versus just maybe reaching out and just hustling um, and, and reaching out to, to various different investors. What are some of the pros and cons of both? Yeah, so there's definitely... Uh, definitely lots of pros to the the traditional model where you're reaching out to investors, getting angel investors, getting VC investors um, to come on board. However, one of the things I like to tell people to keep in mind too, is that if you do that, you, you lose equity, you lose that ownership of your own business. However, if you go to something like crowdfunding, you can reach out to, you know, hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people and still retain that ownership of your business too. Um, they they both have their challenges. They both have their uh, kind of obstacles and difficulties that you you'll run upon. But at the end of the day, it really is about that ownership because after crowdfunding actually ends, a lot of people do go to VCs. They actually do go mm-hmm. to investors and say, "Hey, you know, I have 
thousands of people who have this, you know, like my product and want to buy the, my product. And here's kind of like my customer acquisition um, numbers. Would you like to invest in my business to kind of make it even bigger than it is now? So I don't think you need to choose one. Um, some people actually get VC investment and then come to crowdfunding. So they're, they're not one versus they're the other. They're not exclusive. They can yeah. Work. yeah, they're not inclusive, definitely. They can definitely work with each other. For example, um, a, a campaign I actually ran raised about a million dollars on Kickstarter and then went on to raise $14 million for their Series A. Nice. So it, it really was, hey, yeah, these are our numbers. This is, this is how many people really want our product. This is what we can do. Like, would you like to inject some more money into this and take this goal? Right. right, right, right. No, that's great. So, so then, and then as far as, you know, from, from, I guess, a day-to-day standpoint and what you need to do for crowdfunding and just kind of reaching out to individual investors, um, just because people who are listening and they're entrepreneurs, like work-life balance is a, is a big deal, right? Like, and how do you kind of mm-hmm. focus on what's important and what's not? So can you describe just kind of the process of if you're going through crowdfunding versus you're going through the traditional route, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, do you feel like from like a lifestyle standpoint, what's more sustainable? Are you on the phone more and with this, you know, particular way, not the other, you know, so talk a little bit more about, um, you know, from a time and productivity standpoint, what does that look like for both, uh, both routes? Yeah, so from, from a crowdfunding perspective, uh, since I have most experience there, I would say that with, with crowdfunding on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, it's a really somewhat short sprint to take mm-hmm. your idea to market, to really just um, bring that product to life. Uh, most crowdfunding campaigns are about three months of prep with 30 to 60 days of actual campaigning um, on the live on the side, live on Indiegogo, live on Kickstarter. So it's a really, just really quick sprint where you get all your assets ready, get your team ready, get your advertising ready, get your email ready, get your social media marketing ready. And it's that, you know, that part of your life that, that has, a, you know, they're, they're bookends. Pretty much. Right. But when it comes to, raising capital in other ways, going to VCs, going to angels, you know, getting bank loans and other methods, you're not really sure when it ends. Right. It's more like a prolonged (laughs) process. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You can go at it for years. You know, you have enough capital, you have enough runway. With crowdfunding, it's very, you know, set part of your life. Right. So, so say that, you know, somebody, let's say that there's somebody who's listening right now and they have, let's say that they have an existing business, right? And, you know, they they run their own, whatever, they launch their own products or campaigns or yeah. courses, whatever you, you, you know, you want. And then there's this other project that they want to, um, to work on and they want to do crowdfunding for that particular, uh, particular project, right? Do you feel like they would have to kind of block out that 30, to 60 days predominantly to crowdfunding? Do you feel like the process is a little bit more kind of part-time? You can kind of run multiple things. Just thinking from like a solopreneur standpoint, how does mm-hmm. that look like? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people I actually work with have full-time jobs doing something else, you know, quote unquote, during the day. And then at night they're working tirelessly on their mm-hmm. crowdfunding campaign. So it, it definitely is possible. Um, one person I just uh, helped launch 
a product for this past week. They have a full-time job managing different like pest control uh, businesses in mm-hmm. their hometown. But, you know, once the clock hits five, they're just working on their crowdfunding campaign. So it's, it's definitely possible. Uh, it's just a lot of work too. A lot of people think that with a crowdfunding campaign, you just put a page up on Kickstarter, you put a page up on Indiegogo and it's, you know, thousands of backers and millions of dollars. Um, It's actually one of the, it's actually the number one mistake people make when it comes to crowdfunding. They think that, Hey, I just have to have a beautiful page and that's it. But it's actually the tip of the iceberg. Like 90% of the work comes before the crowdfunding campaign. And a lot of people don't have the time to do that and say, hey, I just want to launch right now. Right. Um, so if you're th- if, if someone listening is thinking about launching on crowdfunding, it's definitely doable de- with like a full-time job already. It's just doing that legwork before mm-hmm. the campaign and making enough time to do that legwork to, to get it to be successful. Right. So as far as the legwork and the 90%, you know, below the, the water iceberg um what and that's what like a couple of months of prep do you think as far as before you need to launch okay got it okay three months okay that sounds about right okay so all right so let's go back for a minute here you talked about um you know mistakes and failures let's go back to that topic a little bit here and you can Mm. talk about you know, this in relation to crowdfunding or just in general uh, about, you know, in relation to how your journey went, but what were some of, you know, business mistakes that you can think of that you were like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did, you know, whatever it is, X, Y, Z, then and there. And it could be something in relation to relationships. It could be something to do with your business decision. It could be something to do with like technical uh, things, right? Um, And we usually ask people who come on the show and just say, ask, have them share basically what one or two or three mistakes or failures that they can kind of recall um, so that as entrepreneurs, we can kind of go, okay, we can kind of learn from each other. So do you have any kind of any mistakes that come to mind as far as, oh my goodness, this was, I could not believe I did this, but it was a pivotal (laughs) moment that definitely helped me learn and, you know, kind of fail forward. Absolutely. So many mistakes. I love love every single one of them. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think one of the the things that really hit hard for me as as an entrepreneur, I can definitely speak on crowdfunding a little after this too, but as an entrepreneur, I know now that I didn't hire fast enough. (laughs) Ah, Um, Yeah. I, I really chugged along just too far working on everything myself. I, I, I glorified, you know, that, that myth, that entrepreneurial myth of the lone person just defying all odds, working a hundred <laughs> hours a week, building a business and making it work. Like it's looking back. <laughs> why? I'm right? like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. Like the, being fortunate enough to be where I am now, I, I can really clearly see it's never the case behind every successful entrepreneur, anyone who's kind of seamlessly just, you know, a guru or something, right? Who's seamlessly just saying, oh, I'm relaxing in my home right now on a <laughs> right. Tuesday morning and just drinking coffee with my partner and we're t- after, you know, five-hour walk with our dog. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I now know that there's a giant team that right. keeps things running. Not, it's not a giant team that just at least other people that keeps us running. You yeah. know, it's not just them. 
Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I definitely glorified that myth for way too long. <laughs> well, and it's kind of funny that you bring that up, actually, because somebody just came to me, one of my clients, and she's asking me, mm-hmm. okay, so when do you think, uh, you know, I should start hiring? And I think this is one of those catch-22 questions that entrepreneurs mm-hmm. have, particularly in the first couple of years, first few years, for sure, of their business career, right? Because they, they don't really know. Um, it's so difficult to kind of see project, you know, years in advance where your time and your costs would, would return. So, so did you kind of, when did you, did you wait until you're like six figure? Like what, what, what was kind of the point where you go, okay, I really need to hire. (laughs) I think I realized it wasn't kind of a profit goal or like a revenue goal that I had when I hired. I think it was, actually, I don't think I know. It was just one day I kind of looked up at the clock that on my computer and I realized that I was, I had spent four hours literally doing social media, like creating (laughs) an image for Instagram, creating an image for Twitter, for, for, for any other platforms. I'm, I'm on everything from YouTube to Twitter to Instagram to Gora. Like, I was like, hey, I've been doing this for four hours now. <laughs> is, is that the best use of my time? And then right. I realized, like, wait, I'm working, you know, in the business rather than on the business. Mm-hmm. And it, it hit me. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wow, four hours a day. What can I do with four hours in a day? <laughs> yeah. Oh, a lot. You can walk your dog for four hours. Yeah. You can go on, you can, can go on like a mini trip for four hours. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely, and I think as far as like action steps, it's so difficult for us to kind of take our, our ourselves out of it. But I always talk about, okay, well, if if it can be delegated and it doesn't really depend on you, um, it, you know, just delegate it, right? And as long as you have the budget and all of that, of course, that's going to take into account. Of course, the expenses, all of that is going to take into account. But I'm pretty sure most business owners who have the means to to do it probably under uh, I think underuse the ability to delegate you know because because there, there's so much more that you can do as a mastermind but behind the the scenes right as the business owner to your point so um, yeah but I love that that you brought that up um, so all right so as far as you know relationship I think you have kind of touched on it as far as reaching out to angels and investors and obviously you're in the crowdfunding uh, space here here, but uh, as far as relationships are concerned, I, I think a lot of business owners sometimes ask questions about partnering, right? Partnership is a is kind of a, a key question, whether they should bring on a partner or if they have a partner, how do you make the most out of it from like a personal standpoint and also financially, right? So was there any moment in your in your journey where, you know, maybe you're working with your team members or somebody else who's, who's working with you or maybe for a client when things got a little bit dicey, right? And, and just things got a little bit icy. And what were some of the, the, the things that you had to do to kind of get out of that funk? Yeah. So for my particular business, I'm kind of the sole, the sole um, owner, sole uh, person still in I guess, management of my own uh, company. However, when I'm looking at kind of the macro of crowdfunding as, as a market, as a niche, like there's a lot of other people 
who work in crowdfunding. And a lot of other people might say like, hey, you know, I don't want to work with so-and-so or like, hey, all these clients, all these people who want to crowdfund, you know, they're all mine. I'm going to work with them by myself. I'm an expert at all of this. Um, let's just kind of keep all the potential clients in my pool. However, I, I, I like to look at it in a different way and, and say, okay, the pie is big enough for everyone. So even if there's someone else working in the crowdfunding niche that I, you know, might not know, I, I love reaching out to people and just being like, hey, I see that you're probably, this is probably your expertise. Like, can I refer this, this person to you? So right. instead of disagreements, I, I try to get in front of it and say, hey, the pie is big enough for everyone. Mm. Um, let's, let's all work together, right? If this is your expertise, like right. here, I'm going to hand this client off to you that, you know, it's not my expertise, but it's your yeah. expertise. So like, go for it. Yeah. Um, and just create kind of that friendly camaraderie. Right, right. So why does it feel, and I think this is probably true, not even just in crowdfunding. I feel like there's a lot of industries uh, in business that, that, that has kind of the same, I don't want to say mentality, but there's definitely kind of mm-hmm. these, this conception and hidden almost an unsaid preconceived notion that really there's only a limited amount of whatever you call it, right? Client base, amount of funds, amount of angels that are out there available. And, and so people feel not just competitive, but sometimes maybe they feel like they, if they don't get, you know, XYZ person or group or this pool of audience, then someone else is going to get it and then you're going to lose out. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you think that that might be the case maybe in crowdfunding? And even though maybe it's not true, like to your point. Uh, I, this, one's, this one's kind of a tough question because I feel like it just goes back to pretty much like human nature too. We have, we have things that you know, we, we have like our homes, we own our car, we own, we don't kind of just share everything. Um, so I think this one's kind of tough Yeah, uh, because I think people, people have their expertise and they can just work with people they want, want to work with and to are experts in that particular domain with, even within like a niche like crowdfunding, but they just kind of want it all because there's, you know, quote unquote, no, limit to the revenue they could potentially make no limit to mm. the, the profit they could make right. and so the ownership part kind of comes in i feel like there's sometimes there's also obstacles um to partner with each other for example uh or obstacles with working really seamlessly with clients or, or something like that because everyone kind of wants what's best for themselves rather than what's best for you know, humanity as a whole, or like the whole um, group of people who want to crowdfund. And everyone has their own biases coming into crowdfunding. Everyone has their own biases working with clients. And everyone thinks that usually what, you know, what they're doing is right. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone in the crowdfunding business wants clients to succeed. Everyone in the crowdfunding business wants more people to be able to launch and want more people to be able to meet their goals, exceed their goals, and build businesses. And I think that at the end of the day, we all just have to take a step back and just, and just see our, our bigger goals. Yeah. And I like your your continual analogy of that pie growing bigger. I think there's enough evidence now across, you know, multiple different industries um, in mm-hmm. any kind of, uh, you know, niche, basically, where you do see that 
just because there's, you know, one client or one company or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that they only kind of subscribe or, or use the services of one or two people, right? And it's just really yeah. people now use multiples. And if you even just think of, you know, the idea of music and the consumption of books and, you know, coaches and all of that, uh, I think people draw from multiple different resources now, so much so that the really that kind of limited mentality that, uh, you know, kind of scarcity mentality shouldn't really, mm-hmm. shouldn't stop us from really just kind of sharing. And and, and yeah, that's make, a great example. Yeah, making that pie bigger. So um, awesome. Okay, so let's see here. So I actually wanted to ask you also about, um, I guess, as far as your journey to to crowdfunding. Did you ever feel like, um, maybe even recently, did you ever feel like, hey, I want to go back to X Y Z, or hey, this is still not for me. I want to do something else. Like, did you ever have that kind of feeling where um, just recently where you know that what you're doing is something that you love and you're good at and is, is amazing for people around you, but there's still just kind of that inkling where you kind of go, okay, I, there's something still missing here. Uh, that's a good question. Um, let me just reflect on that for a second. Yeah. I, yeah, like I think every day I still am excited to wake up and, you know, talk to these people, get on, you know, 30 minute, 30 minute calls with people and say, Hey, how can I help? Like, let's listen to your idea. Talk about your idea. I think I'm fortunate too to work in crowdfunding because every idea that comes to me is completely different. <laughs> there's nice. um, a smart, a smart wallet I'm working with. There's um, a, a clock that helps kids uh, sleep better. There's a drone, there's a smart projector, there's, a new jacket uh, that's coming to the market. So there's so much variety in the work that I do that it keeps me on my toes, keeps me learning, keeps me really just appreciating all the different categories of products that are in the world. Um, right. So it still feels side, like you I have that novelty <laughs> still. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And on the other side as an entrepreneur, I, you know, my head keeps running. <laughs> I have, right. I actually have like a, a list of different cool ideas I would love to to explore one day. Yeah, I, I literally have a list of about seventeen things right now that I'm like, oh, this would be cool. Oh, what are nice. some of the yeah? So, what are some of the coolest ideas that you've seen out there that that you can uh, share? For, obviously, for yeah, just just generally some of the things that you've seen over the course of the years in crowdfunding that you're like, oh my goodness, this is such a cool idea um, that maybe hasn't taken enough traction or something and gotten enough, uh, I guess, enough visibility. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm a big, big uh, board gamer, actually. And I, on the weekends, I spend a lot of time just playing board games with with friends and and going to meetups and playing board games. And so there's one pretty recent product that I saw. I didn't work on it, but I saw the product and it's literally creating a second table on top of your existing table to actually put the board game on so you can put your you know, drinks or cards ah. or your phone underneath it. And so there's just, you're, you're adding more space. That's amazing. Space for playing board games. So yeah. like stuff like that. I see, I see <laughs> stuff like that come across the table and it's like, wow. Or one that actually I, I worked on uh, late last year. It's a jacket, just like a Patagonia or North Face or anything like that. But it's integrated with graphene, which you, you typically find in, you know, pencils and stuff. But actually it's incredibly strong and they've integrated it into the jacket 
And so it's pretty much one jacket forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So what's, uh, what's your favorite board, uh, board game right now? Ooh, I play Seven <laughs> Wonders a lot and okay. Stone Age a lot right now. For anyone who's in the Seattle area listening, <laughs> you can find me to play. <laughs> yeah, call her because she's going to be playing with somebody. There's going to be a board game or game night every every week, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, I, I remember in college, my friends would play Settlers until, I mean, I oh, think they okay. would pull like multiple all-nighters. And I'm just kind of looking at them and going, are you? crazy like what is going on here <laughs> yeah settlers is like the new monopoly of this age oh, I would 100%. Say. <laughs> yeah 100% and I think they make some maybe and I, I don't remember whether this is settlers or something else I think they make uh, they make a version for kids now and I'm like oh no mm-hmm. this is this is this is dangerous <laughs> <laughs> this is so dangerous um anyway so we're actually coming to the end of the interview Nalin. so this is so this has been so so amazing and i have so much fun so tell everyone where they can find you uh maybe what you're up to next and uh, how they can reach out to you yeah so anyone who is interested in crowdfunding or learning more about crowdfunding can find me at crushcrowdfunding.com it's c-r-u-s-h C-R-O-W-D-F-U-N-D-I-N-G. Crush crowdfunding. Okay. Yeah. And I'm on every social media platform, pretty Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Quora. There's a podcast. Like wherever you want to find me, you'll find me. <laughs> um, and for what's next? Uh, right now, I'm focused a lot on one-on-one coaching. And I, I just realized uh, pretty recently, just last month, that I'm not able to help as many people you know, make as much of an impact as I'd really like to. Uh, for every one person I work with, there are just, there's so many people that have to turn away. And it's, it's heartbreaking because all these people have amazing, incredible ideas that just don't have the bandwidth. So for what's next, um, I'm actually trying to figure out the best way to, to best spread this crowdfunding knowledge and, and expertise um, as far as I can. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on. I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. This was a really fun talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Now, if you want a free template for reverse engineering your timeline and your goals in a chart that can make your decisions easier so that you can make your decisions with confidence and do it better, even during that bumps in the road in your business, go ahead and go to goodgrowgreat.com slash GAD, goodgrowgreat.com slash GAD for get anything done. And we'll send that right over your way so that you can get started on deciding the way Olympians do and deciding the way masters do. Until next time, growth solvers, let's keep growing.